guys. Hello. Hey. Welcome to this week's episode of the 13th Floor, where we're going to talk about what, James? Cursed gems. Cursed gems. Yeah, James just found out we were talking about this like five minutes ago. James. I'm still I'm still on the mend. He said yes. Listen, there you go. James was very ill last week. He had a, a serious sinus infection. Was it something else, James? Uh, just sinus and upper respiratory. Yeah, it was gross. He was on prednisone. It made yeah. him all crazy. Mm, but yeah. he's he's better now, right, James? I am. Thank Speaking you. of which, uh, oh, well, I'll wait till we're done recording. I need to take that prednisone. <laughs> Two of them left. So that means <laughs> that James is going to be up all night is what I'm hearing. Yep. Definitely. Man. man. The prednisone kick, man. Yeah, listen, we had to give prednisone to Gwen when she had croup a couple times, and mm. it was she was bouncing off the walls. That, re- that brings me to our icebreaker. If you could take any corticosteroid now. Oh, my <laughs> gosh, James, you nut. Well, I'm glad you're feeling better. Our, and our family, uh, Alex's parents came into town for the mm. weekend, and they brought some type of stomach, stomach bug. Yeah, they both got some sort of food poisoning. Yeah, it, yeah. I, well, no, I don't think that your mom had food poisoning. I think that her taking care of your dad, she had whatever he got. Right, right. And then nobody in the family. Well, we weren't handling your dad's, you know, what? It's true. Yeah. But we were around everybody for a lot. Listen, we don't know what it was. It, it was, was gross, though. It, it was, was gross. It was a long weekend of just sitting at home and hoping nobody got sick. Lots of pooping and vomiting. Yeah, it's great. It's great. <sighs> well, now that you've got those pictures in your mind, I yeah. think it's time. It's time for us to talk about cursed gems. But before we do that, James, mm. I had some. I was thinking maybe instead of an icebreaker, we could do kind of like oh, a little. Good. I'm going to ask you and Alex if you can figure out. The teen slang, because my dear, uh, lovely sister-in-law, Kayla, is a middle school math teacher, and so she hears a lot of slang. And so I was like, Kayla, what are the kids saying these days? And she was like, oh, they're saying this. And she gave me some some slang terms that are really popular right now. So I want to ask you and Alex if you know what they mean. How's that sound? Let's do it. Sounds, sounds fun. All right. Okay, the first one that we've got here. Is situationship. What? What's a situationship, you guys? Uh okay, I think I get it. It's like uh it's like a relationship that is at a critical moment, like make or break moment. Oh, I think that's a good guess, James. I think it's a relationship that um it's kind of like a friend zone, maybe, or something. I don't know. As Alex is a little bit closer, but it's like a little bit further than friend zone. It's not necessarily friend zone. It is when you are talking to somebody, but you're not dating yet. We're in a situation ship. We're trying so, to figure out. So things. friends. Isn't that just called talking? <laughs> no. Well, that's the thing, yeah. James. You can be talking to somebody. If I'm Listen, if I'm talking to somebody, I hope that they are just talking to one other person, right? Ooh. So it's kind of like we're not dating yet, but we're like close to dating. That's the way that I kind okay. of okay, yeah, interesting. So courting, in other words, Cor- this, is, yeah. this is basically like the new word for courting. Yes, okay. except it's what all all the hip to the groove kids are saying these days. Okay, yeah. all right. Yes, okay. W and L, and these are two separate kind of things. The oh, that, that one's easy. Everybody knows that one. 
Yes. Yeah. Yes. Right. But yeah, but it's like you use it. Yeah, it's a dub. It's that's a yeah. Well, when I okay, here I'm going to use it in a sentence. Okay, so okay. Alex's dad got food poisoning from Arby's. Yeah, he took a big L right? on that one. So, no, hmm. Arby's is an L restaurant. It's a loser restaurant. Oh, I went there today okay. for lunch. Yeah, you know he did get food poisoning oh from Arby's. <laughs> I swear, there's something, there's something about the cornets and and food and risk taking. Well, you know what was so funny was <laughs> that the Alex's parents were making fun of him for getting food poisoning so much, and then literally, yeah, they did on Friday, yeah. and then then that night, I, my dad had issues, and then I, the next day, my mom did. Yep. I can just imagine like pioneer times, like the Cornette family being the only people who are like drinking still water, like <laughs> off the ground. <laughs> Everybody else is trying to dig a well. <laughs> well, you know, one very vivid memory that I have when I first started dating Alex was he's. Are you talking talk about the yogurt again? Yeah, no. You told very a lot about it. Okay. Have, I, have I shared mm, Alex yeah, eating the Trix yogurt? Sure you- yes. Oh, the very yeah. expired Trix yogurt. Yeah, Everyone but- knows. Very. So I think he's got a stomach of steel. Alex's mom though, was to. talking about how she had a stomach of steel, and the next thing you know, pff, she's out down for the count. Yeah, okay. Anyways, it's enough of the W and L. Um, this is one that I know you guys know what it means, but um, it, the teens are using it a little bit differently. Gatekeeper. No. Oh, okay. They're using uh, it differently. Yeah. It's it's similar, but also different. Like when you think of gatekeeper, what do you think of? A man standing at a gate, protecting it. Just kidding. Someone who like limits people who into like certain community type deals. I'm guessing it's like that, but romantically, it's, it's basically like the lady who's with the group of friends. She's like, you know, Sharon, you said we'd all go home together early. You know, stop oh. talking to this guy. <laughs> That's oh, the gatekeeper. Okay. They use it for like beauty products. What? Like what? okay, yeah, like beauty products or songs. Like you won't tell me who sings that song. What? Or listen, James really wants to use my mascara, but I don't want him to look better than me in the mascara. So I'm not going to tell you what mascara I'm using. I'm gatekeeping that oh. mascara. Oh, there, that's creepy. Yeah, I don't like that people want to do that to each other. I'm not telling you about who uses my uh, where my mascara is from, James. <laughs> I remember a time. I felt bad about it afterwards. Oh. I was a small child playing Pokemon Snap. My friend, Elliot, he called me up. He wanted to know how to evolve a certain Pokemon. I wouldn't tell him. I have carried that guilt with me my entire life. Do you want to? I felt so bad. I called him back later and he had figured it out. But I felt bad. Do you want to issue a public I was worried for a minute. It was going to be like, his life was never the same since. He just totally went (laughs) off the the tracks. Yeah. No, I'm not issuing an apology. That's as close as he's getting. All right. Sorry, Elliot. Okay. (laughs) I know that you guys know this one, but simp. What is a simp? Oh, Uh, that's someone who's like, it's. That's like a, what's the best way to describe that? It's kind of tough to explain. It's kind of like somebody who. Just for the attention of of the opposite sex, usually a, a man simping for a woman, they they really go out of their way mm. against their best interest. Like you know, some some lady guns down a bunch of people and gets arrested. Well, I think that she should really uh, you know not have to go to court for this. I mean, after all, my lady is a lovely young woman in the springtime of her life. That's kind of like what I think of when I think of a simp. Yeah, it's like someone obsessing over someone, no matter what. 
That's a good, that's a good one, James. That's a good description. Yeah. The, the example they used in the slang terms video that I watched was this guy and he's all like, yeah, it's like my friend had a crush on this girl. And then she was like, Hey, let's go to target. So instead of going to the gym with me, he went to target with her. So simp. What a simp. Simp. Yeah. Absolute simp. That's not even a great use of simp. That, that poor lady. That's I'm going to sneeze. Uh, Catch up uh, on the sleigh. That's all I got to yeah. say. One second. I'm hip. Oh, wait. I think it went away. Oh, sorry. I thought I was going to sneeze. I didn't. Okay. The last one uh, is the word riz. Riz? Oh, I got that one. Yeah. I don't know. Riz. What's riz, James? Riz is your capacity to cater to or woo the opposite sex. So, oh. in other words, it's like your, your pizzazz. That's your like dazzle, razzle dazzle. Your, exactly. Your game. Yes. Oh, exactly. Razzle. James, yes. you, you got it. It's short for charisma, Look apparently. You, James. <laughs> in, my, in my day, we called that razzmatazz. Razzmatazz. Yeah, that's not true. No one ever said that. We just call it flirting. What's what flirting with that's me? Not, that's not charisma. Yeah, it is. That's game. I agree. Whoever said game. Yeah, game is that's the most what it was I was com- coming comparison. Up. Yeah. It's a game. Good yeah. job, you guys. You guys did excellent yeah. with our slang hip to the groove terms. Spending too much time on the internet has its benefits. Yes. Alex yep. uh, being yelled at by all the younglings on Fortnite. And all those five-year-olds. Yeah. Uh, Telling Alex, you're just a simp man. Hey, old man! <laughs> Anyways. I think it's time. Time to talk about Cursed Gems. Who's going first? Mm. Oh, yeah. And this episode was uh, suggested by Anna. So, Anna, thank you so much for reaching out and asking us to talk about Cursed Gems. Yeah, Anna. This was a fun one, actually. One thing that I found out about Cursed Gems while I was doing my research is that a lot of them were stolen from sacred temples in India. Oh, I yeah. didn't know that. It's not, yeah, not good. Pretty guys, common. Listen, if you're in India and you see a gem in a temple and you're like, don't think I'm going to take that. Because guess what? You're going to get cursed. According to the stories, the legends. Spooky. So, who's going first? I'll go first. All right. (laughs) All right. So a big shout out to the website, The Court Jeweler, who has very elaborate write-ups about lots of jewelry. Wow. Yeah, it's a pretty cool website, actually. So shout out to you. You deserve some praise. And I I use a little bit of research from a lot of places, but honestly. Everything came from The Court Jeweler, you got it going. I said I was gonna say you got it going, girl, but I don't know if it's a boy or a girl who wrote wrote this. Okay. So, or a man or a woman, as I should say. I'm sorry, yeah. um, Victoria. Um, all right. So you all ready? <laughs> I started reading that like that was her name. I knew it wasn't. Yes, anyway, I'm all right. ready. You ready for the story? Yeah. Now, yeah, this is a little bit of a cheat because it's not just one gem; it's a bunch of gems. Oh. And these jewels were worn by Princess Victoria Melita of Edinburgh and Saxe-Coburg and Gotha. <laughs> what a title. I want a title that long. Yeah. And I want people to have to say the whole part thing. Of that house. What? Saxe-Coburg, Gotha or whatever. Yeah. 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 I, want, I, want, I want a title of that long. The Alex. Alex of... Of <laughs> Bowling Green, Warren County, Lexington, Atlanta. Oh my God! Yeah, or just like Alex of <laughs> food poisoning at gas station. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, Alex of uh, Acetobacter or something. Yeah, yeah, something, some cool title. <laughs> anyway, so colitis. <laughs> so the, stra- the strawberry leaf tiara was created for the family of Hess and by Ryan. It started its journey early in 1861. So Princess Alice is this uh, third child of Queen Victoria and Prince Albert. And she got engaged to Prince, to to Louis of Hesse. (laughs) Okay? And the Prince Albert, who was interested in jewelry, he was like, I kind of like jewelry. It's kind of my get my side hustle now. (laughs) Side hustle. (laughs) (laughs) He said about designing uh, the the wedding presents for his daughter. Sadly, however, he died before the marriage could even happen. So he made all he designed all this beautiful jewelry for her, and <laughs> dead. Oh, the and the jewels were given to Alice by by her mom, and she was like, "Yo, your dad kind of helped with this," and so they. Gave her the tiara at the wedding, and apparently this wedding felt more like a funeral because uh, everybody was just kind of mourning over him. They didn't really care about her. But, sure, um, she's the third child. That's right, you know? she's the third child. Nobody cares. And so, uh, <laughs> so she got this tiara from her dead dad that she is wearing at her wedding. So it's a, you know it's kind of a somber occasion, and uh, so she took this. Tiara home. She's just wearing it around. She's looking good. It's fancy. It's fancy. It's got sentimental value. And so she's wearing it everywhere, even to her brother's big old celebration, his big wedding, all this stuff. But unfortunately, Alice eventually dies. But the weird thing is, is she dies, not of, it's not the dying of diphtheria. <laughs> That scares me. In 1878. Mm. But it says she dies of diphtheria exactly 17 years to the day that her dad died. You know, that always mystifies me Mm. when people in the same family die or are born on the same day. It's like, what are the odds? Yeah, what are the odds of dying? It's trippy. 17 years to the day. So the problem, uh, a lot of her Mm. children also... Uh, died of diphtheria um, and she only had one daughter who didn't really suffer from the illness and then she only had one surviving son Ernst also Ernst. known as Ernie would eventually uh, succeed and he would become the Grand Duke and eventually he married his first cousin of 17 years of age I know. wow uh, mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really good at just making hearty jeans. Um, and so they get married, and everything's great for about five years, and then the mother-in-law dies. Or sorry, the Grand Duchess Victoria of Hesse. After five years of beautiful, blissful marriage, uh, the their maternal grandmother dies. Their maternal grandmother dies. And they're like, ah, we just can't do it. I don't know why, but for some reason, this is causing our divorce. So they break it off. And Ernie goes and finds a new wife. 
And things are great. Things are great. I'm sure there's no curse. Well, in the meantime, um, his former wife has a, has a child, and they die of typhoid. And then mm. Ernie gets married and meets a lovely woman, and she, Princess Eleanor, and she's seeing war. She wears the crown a lot, and her sister, for some reason, puts it on too. Because I guess it's fun to share. And um, so things are going great. She's pregnant. They're all going to go to this big party, big, big uh, wedding, actually. And so they all get on a plane together. And there they are flying around. And she goes into labor. On a plane? On the plane. Oof. And they have to do an emergency landing. Well, during the emergency landing, they hit a chimney. And everyone on board dies. Oh, my gosh. That's one of the things, one of the very few things that survived the crash, just so you know, is the tiara. James, was this you in a past life? I've I've heard this story, but only that part, the plane crash. Yeah, no. I had to have. Hmm. Didn't no. even mean to say that out loud, but by the way. Ernie the, didn't the, die. the deja vu thing. Yeah. Everybody else did. That was on the plane. No, he Ernie wasn't on the plane. He was probably chilling at home. And so only one surviving child was hmm. there. Or wasn't there because they were too young to go on the trip. I caramba. Isn't that crazy? And so there's actually I was reading into it a little bit more. There was actually two tiaras that survived, but only one of them is associated with all of this death. Wow. Yeah, and this so since then, up. no one's really been wearing this thing. Yeah, I um, wouldn't wear it. And so it's like stuck up in a museum somewhere, and it only very occasionally comes out for viewing by the public. Like caramba. Yeah, so that's the strawberry leaf tiara. <laughs> all right. Yeah, lots of death. James, yeah, can you imagine? No, I don't want to. You're imagine. you're going into labor, causing a um catastrophic catastrophic emergency deadly. landing. Archer does not like it. Archer does not like it. <laughs> he's he's sitting up. He's staring at the computer, and he is looking forward to seeing what James has to say about mm-hmm. the Peregrine Pearl. That's right. Uh, can do. So, uh, yeah, the Peregrine Pearl, or La Peregrina Pearl, uh, which, by the way, Peregrine, just, this is a little off topic, but it means pilgrim in Spanish or wanderer. And I think that's kind of neat because I never thought about it. And Peregrine Falcons are one of my favorite birds, and yet I never thought about what <laughs> the word means. Anyway, so, anyway, so... The first record we have of this thing existing starts off kind of negative. It, it takes place in Panama, and we know this from a historian named uh, Garcilaso de la Vega, and he was a 16th century historian, and he wrote a story called Comentarios Reales de los Incas, in other words, real accounts of, of the Incas. And he mentions that back when uh, Panama was controlled by Spain, they had slaves in Panama from Africa, which, you know, again, 16th century color, anybody surprised. Well, 
one such slave, who is sadly nameless, in uh, 1513 found a massive 11-gram teardrop-shaped pearl. And I cannot understate the word massive and and 11 grams. It is flipping huge, and it's very unique shape. I've never seen, in fact, such a perfect non-spherical pearl ever. And yet this thing, it looks like it was, it looks as though it was carved, but it wasn't. It was naturally produced by an organism, which that's the thing about pearls is they're not really gemstones, but they're used as jewelry. But anyway, um, so what ends up happening is the slaves obviously not permitted to own the pearl. Um, so it gets turned over to Don Pedro de Temes. And that was the guy who was running Panama on behalf of the crown. So he actually personally, Temes, Travels back to Spain and gifts it to King Philip II, which, as you might imagine, probably got oh, him yeah. a huge promotion or, or in good graces yeah. with uh, his yeah. highness. So what he decides to do with it is give it as kind of an engagement gift to his future wife, Bloody Mary. The flipping <laughs> Bloody Mary, Queen Mary the First. Yeah. Now, after that period he uh he actually decides this is such a cool gemstone it's so beautiful it's so unique it's actually one of the spanish crown jewels so for the next two centuries it was worn by pretty much every spanish queen ever like if you look back through the uh, portraiture like every spanish queen every every woman associated with that particular royal family margaret of austria for example wore it. Elizabeth of France, Mariana of Austria. I mean, it was just a a staple in their uh, ensemble. So fast forward a couple hundred years, 1660 now. um, What ends up happening is King Philip IV ends up wearing it in his hat when he marries Maria Theresa of Spain. Uh, And, you know, everything's working out fine. But that, the reason I mentioned that particular notable period is uh, this is when it gets the name La Peregrina. So there must be some connection between that because it had sort of bounced around from not really house to house, but person to person, hence the name The Wanderer. So now we're jumping forward another 200 years. Now it's 1808. And what ends up happening is uh, Joseph Bonaparte, which to me is the funniest concept ever. I, I don't mean that in a mean, snooty, disparaging way, but it kind of reminds me of uh, uh, shoot, yeah. Life of Brian, you know, Brian, brother of Jesus. Joseph Bonaparte was Napoleon's <laughs> older brother. <laughs> it's just weird that he had an older brother named Joseph to me, but whatever. Um, and he actually gets installed as the king of Spain, and he does not last long. Uh, five years into it, he gets ousted, like straight up ousted by uh, uh, the French forces, yeah, mainly because, yeah. you know, Napoleon, <laughs> Waterloo and all that. So what ends up happening is because he gets ousted, he he still lives a comfortable life. And some people think that's when it became named La Peregrina, because now he's had to basically be uh, exiled. So what he does is he leaves it to his nephew, Napoleon III. Napoleon III has it, and uh, he ends up selling it. To uh, James Hamilton, not the American James Hamilton, the the Marquess of uh, uh, Abercorn. <laughs> excuse me, Abercorn. And um, 
he gives it to his uh, wife, Louisa, and it's so flipping heavy. You know, it's a big, heavy pearl, and it was made to be, well, not made, but it was originally used in crown jewelry and things that were sort of not dangly, in other words. But in this case, they turn it into a necklace. Well, it keeps falling out. And this, to me, is the funniest part of the story. It got lost in a couch. <laughs> just like lost? just like the nickels in your pocket. Lost um, in a couch for how long? For how long? Uh, let's see. Sometime until the 20th century it was recovered. Now, I mean, oh my God. No, 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 no. That, that sounds like a long time, but this was, this was close to that time. So we're talking about hours or days, not, not weeks or years. So no, it's not oh, as okay. scary okay. as it sounds. But it was a ball at Buckingham <laughs> Palace and it literally falls into a sofa. And then another occasion it falls somewhere else. I don't, they don't even have record of where it ended up being uh, found. So anyway, the Hamilton family owns it until the middle of the 20th century, really 69, and they sell it at Sotheby's for a lot of money, for 37K, in fact. And who should buy it but Richard Burton? And Richard Burton was a Welsh actor, really great voice, really serious Shakespearean roles, just a big deal. Big, famous guy that people don't really know as much about today. So he decides he's going to give it to his wife for Valentine's Day. $37,000 in 1969. Crazy amount of money. And uh, that was when they were first married. This wife in question, Elizabeth Taylor. And she's Elizabeth probably Taylor. one of the, yeah, she's one of the most iconic individuals who wore the pearl. Now, what's funny about the curse is thus far, we've had a lot of people getting ousted. We've had a lot of failed relationships. But the most notable issue is with Elizabeth Taylor because they got married and then they got divorced, and she got married like, I don't know, five more times. And they got married yeah. a, a second time, but their second marriage only lasted, I think it was like eight months, if that. I mean, just ridiculous. And this is actually um, in her own autobiography. This is in her words. At one point, I reached down to touch La Peregrina, and it wasn't there. I glanced over at Richard. Thank God he wasn't looking at me. And I went to the bedroom and I threw myself on the bed and buried my head in the pillow and screamed. Very slowly and carefully, I retraced the steps in the bedroom, took my slippers off, my socks off, hands and knees, looking everywhere at the pearl. Nothing. I thought, it's got to be in the living room in front of him. What am I going to do? He'll kill me. <laughs> so um, to me, this is extremely comical just because you can kind of see that they, are, they got some issues with their relationship. Yeah. So afterwards, turns out, Turns out uh, her puppy had it in its mouth. <sighs> the didn't, didn't damage it, apparently, but just consider that. Literally, this was Bloody Mary's engagement present, <laughs> and now it's being chomped on by a puppy at Elizabeth Taylor's house. That is so, bizarre. Yeah, a lot of people have had it. It's, it truly earned its name, the, the Wanderer, the Pilgrim. Um, and at present... The last time we, we ever saw it on the market was December of 2011, and it was sold. Talk about a, a distinct – talk about an investment because you got to remember Burton bought it for flipping uh, – what was it, 37 grand? Mm -hmm. It sold for $11 million, and uh, it was part of an Elizabeth Taylor collection, which you know definitely does increase the uh, value, and it was put on a diamond Cartier necklace – 
valued itself to be about $3 million. So the whole thing's probably worth about mm, close to $11 million on its own, excluding the rest of the collection now, just, oh just as a result of time and inflation and, and the fact that it's also part of a big, fancy $3 million necklace. I don't know who the actual owner is. It appears to have been an anonymous buyer. But one thing we can say for sure is they're rich and their relationships are probably not going to last very long. <laughs> Oh man! Well, the one thing that like I'm surprised that he got it for thirty seven thousand dollars in the 1960s. Like even right. like I know that that's a lot of money back then, but sure. at the same time, it's like you said, it was Bloody Mary's engagement exactly. present. I feel and like it would be worth so much more than that, even at that particular time. Oh yeah, even ignoring the history of it. Again, to reiterate, the size and shape of this is extraordinarily unique. It looks as though a human artisan sculpted it rather than it being a process of random irritation from an oyster. <laughs> James, you put it so eloquently. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you yeah, for telling us about that. Yeah, good deal. I guess it's my turn. Alex is upstairs with the archers. Archer had an accident in his pants. So uh-huh. I... I'm going to carry on by myself. Mm. It's probably better this way anyway, so we don't have a crime baby. Okay, so I am talking about something called the, oh my gosh, what's it called? Oh, yeah, the (laughs) Delphi Purple Sapphire, okay? Mm. I got all my information from recountreveal.com, Atlas Obscura, and hauntedpalaceblog.wordpress.com. So... As I mentioned earlier, a lot of cursed gemstones that I was reading about and learning about during my research were stolen from India, from palaces in India. Funny thing about the purple sapphires, that's not actually sapphire at all. It's actually an amethyst. Oh, that makes sense why it's purple. Yes, purple. Okay. So it was, uh, the name's misleading, but it was stolen from the Temple of Indra in Pantur in 1857, and this guy, cavalry, cavalryman Colonel W. Ferris, he brought it to England. And let me tell you that you don't steal from Indian temples because it's going to bring you bad luck, and that's exactly what happened to Ferris. He lost everything. I don't quite know what that means because everything that I saw was very vague, um, <laughs> but said that he, he lost everything, dot, 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 including his health. He ended up getting really, really sick. He ended up dying shortly after. So people like point at the amethyst slash sapphire and they're like, "Mm, that's what did it. And he ended up passing down this gem to his son, who then also lost everything that he had. It's bad luck. Bad luck bears. So he's like, okay, um, I'm going to give this to my friend because – I've had a lot of bad luck come to me. My dad just died. I came in, in uh, came into this really crazy gemstone. So I'm going to give it to my friend. And then his friend ended up committing suicide shortly oh. after. Yeah. Bad news bears all around for everybody that touches this gem. So let's hop forward 33 years. We're going to go to 1890. And a new bloke gets his hands on this gem. A guy named Edward Heron Allen. And I'm sure 
he was he was a, a very distinguished man. He, he knew uh, how to play violin. He was very he was into all sorts of different things. He kind of reminds me of you, James. Just like interested in a lot of different things and very very smart. So oh, thank you. yeah, Heron Allen. He had to have heard the legends surrounding this gem, but I'm sure that he just kind of brushed it aside. Like, oh, it's a gemstone. Like, there's no way that it could be cursed. That's ridiculous. It's a very, you know, it's got a unique past, a unique story. I'm going to take it. I'm going to I'm gonna buy it. I'm going to have it. So he bought it. And then guess what, James? Bad mm, luck. Yep. Bad luck. He ended up getting lots of bad luck. And I'm not sure if maybe it was manifestation or a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like, he's like, oh. You know, bad luck. I know about the bad luck and then it gets bad luck or it could just really truly be a curse because, again, this was stolen from a sacred Indian temple. But he has a friend who's a very accomplished singer and she's like, hey, can I, you know, have the gem if you don't want it? And he's like, sure, here you go. And so he gives it to his friend and then his friend, something happens to her. She loses her singing voice, never sings again. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's Oh, it was awful. Lost her ability to sing. It was not good. So she returned it to Heron Allen. She's like, okay, I don't want it. It is cursed. She shouldn't have made that deal with Ursula. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, we've been watching a lot of Little Mermaid in her house. Sorry. So she returns it to Heron Allen. And he's like, this thing, it is cursed. I'm convinced. I'm going to get rid of it. So he takes it. He's got his hand. And he's standing by Regent's Canal. He just chucks it into the water. He just throws it. Ooh. Goodbye, gemstone, right? Mm-hmm. Guess what water happens? Boil. <laughs> it showed up on his couch the next day. No, three months later, somebody, a worker, going and dredging through the canal, finds it. And they're like, oh, wow, this is a really crazy gem. I'm going to take this to a jeweler to see what it's worth. So he takes it to a jeweler. The jeweler takes a look at it and goes, oh, this is that gemstone Uh-oh. that... Edward Heron Allen brought me a while back. <laughs> I'm going to call him up and give it back to him. Oh Goes my right God, back it's a movie. Him. It is. It's like, it's so bizarre when I think about wow. it. I'm like, what are the odds that that would happen? Wow. Yeah. yeah. So at this point, Heron Allen's just like, what the hell? So he's like, I can't get rid of it. I can't get rid of it. It's bad luck for everybody. So I am just going to take it. I'm going to do the only thing I can think of. I'm going to put it in. Seven boxes, seven locked boxes, surrounded by magical charms to dilute the cursed energy. And then I'm going to put it away in my bank vault. So that's what he does. And it remained there until his death. I can't remember when he died, but it was a long time later. And he ended up leaving very specific instructions for his daughter. He said, leave it in that box. Do not touch it, no matter what you do, for three years after my death. So she does that. She leaves it. She's like, okay, dad told me this thing is cursed. I'm not going after it. So she ends up three years later donating it to the Natural History Museum in London. And they're like, oh, this is rad. We got a really cool gemstone here, right? Um, and they they get it. They open it up. And Hare and Alan had left a note for whoever gets it. And it said, quote, whoever shall then open it shall read out this warning and then do as he pleases with the jewel. My advice to him or her is to cast it into the sea. And wow. Yes. So he thought, I think it occurred to he, somebody to take it back where it was stolen. <laughs> I, I, James, you, you read my mind exactly. 
Because guess mm. what? More bad luck for the people, the curators who were dealing with this thing. They ended up running into bad luck. So they were supposed to take it to a gem symposium for the Hare and Allen Society. I can't remember the year this happened. It's recent. But they're supposed to take it to some symposium. On the way there, the guy who's taking it, worst thunderstorm ever been in. He's in the car with his wife, and his wife is just angry at him because she's oh. like, why did you bring that gem? It said that it was cursed, and now we're going to die a thunder in a thunderstorm. God, no less. I, it, by a thunder god, exactly, James. It's like it was angry. Mm. So, yeah, it was really, really bizarre. They survived, thank goodness, but it was still, like, you know, scary for him. And then, second symposium, person that's supposed to take it there ends up getting a really bad stomach bug. And then, third symposium, they missed that one, too, because, who Alex is not going to like this. Oh, Kidney stones. Oh. Oh. Alex is... Biggest well, fear in life. Worse than Al- Alex isn't afraid of a lot of things, but he sure is the heck afraid of uh, kidney stones. Kidney. So, anyways, yeah, uh, it's currently supposedly on display in the Natural History Museum in London. I think it's with the Hope Diamond. I think it's in the same room. Maybe they're if if they are both in the same place, then I like to imagine maybe they're friends, cursed gem friends, <laughs> but. Yeah, that's that's the Delphi purple sapphire. I do think that that one's cursed, just based upon yeah. the stories surrounding it. So I know that when I talked about the Hope Diamond, that curse seemed more fabricated just to like spin mm. up attention and make people want to go see this. But mm. when it comes to the sapphire, I really do think there's something going on with it. Yeah, out of all the cursed it. gems we've covered, that's the one where I'm like, there's something definitely a foul here. Yeah, it really liked Heron Allen because it just kept finding yeah. its way back to him no matter what happened. And Spooky. the same thing happened with uh, Ferris. It went to his son. His son tried to give it away. And then when his friend took his own life, uh, he left it for his friend who gave it to him. So it's like, it kept going back to certain people. So I, I I wouldn't want to touch that one, James, stay away from it. Uh Uh, But as you said, my first thought when I read all this was, why didn't they take it back to the temple that it's stolen from? You know? Yeah. What would happen then? It seems like Indra wants it back. They probably burned it to the ground when they stole it. I don't know. I hope not. That'd be terrible. But anyways, that you guys is the, Delphi purple sapphire slash amethyst. Trippy. Yes. So, Anna, I hope that we did your episode justice. There are a lot more cursed gems out there. So, oh, yeah. Yes. So, we got a lot more to talk about next week, James. What are we talking yeah. about? Don't know. I do James. know that. Huh? You are the one who told me about this next episode. Next week, you guys, we are talking about. Shadow people. Shadow oh, yeah. people. Yeah. Oh, I don't like it. I don't like it one bit. Who who asked for that episode, James? Jordan. Jordan. Yes. Jordan. Oh it my was. goodness. Jordan. Hiya, Jordan. It's been a while. Text me. We'll we'll catch up. So, you guys, next week we're talking about shadow people. Is there anything you want to say before we go our separate ways, James? Uh, I think it's the Delhi purple sapphire, isn't it? Is it? I thought it was Delphi. Yeah. 
Is it yeah, Delhi? It's Delhi. Yeah, like New Delhi. Oh, I said the wrong thing. No worries. Yeah, no See, worries. No, the whole time, the whole time, I was waiting for something to come back where it's like, but spoiler alert, turns out it was found originally in Greece, not India after all. <laughs> I okay, no, listen, listen. Recountandreveal.com called it the Delphi Purple Sapphire. <laughs> okay. It looks like it's got a couple of different names. So, <sighs> you know what? I'm just going to say, call what you want. Call what you want. <laughs> Alex, who does our music? Our music is by Grant Cook. You can find it on Amazon Music, iTunes, Spotify, anywhere you listen to music. So until next week, you guys, we hope that you can keep it straight. Keep it straight.